welcome to today's episode of In Fellowship, the podcast where we explore community building through a chapter-by-chapter read of The Lord of the Rings. My name is Ellen. And my name is Anna. And in today's episode, we're discussing Book 5, Chapter 1, Minas Tirith, Exploring Accountability in Community. We made it to Book 5. Book 5, Book 5. So aside from just being absolutely thrilled to be into The Return of the King and all Mm -hmm. of the events that will transpire, this chapter in particular is kind of a lengthy one. And as I was reading it, I was also that same weekend deep, deep into a YouTube rabbit hole of Lady Gaga music videos from mid-2000, mid-2010s. Like and born so, this way? Correct. Gotcha. You and I, which I belted mm, out at my partner mm-hmm. and made him very nervous because I don't know that he knew that I knew all of the lyrics <laughs> um, in a really intimate way. It's been a long time. It's been a long time. My question for you is this. If you had to pick a Lady Gaga song mm. to capture an element of this chapter or perhaps to capture the chapter entirely, mm-hmm. which song would you choose and why? I have two answers. Okay. The first one is Marry the Night. Perfect. Because it's going to be nighttime now for forever until the battle happens. Mm-hmm. So that's my first one. My second one is Alejandro. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Because I feel that Burgle, son of Baragond, is saying, don't call my name. Do not call my name. I do not want to have to leave Minas Tirith. I want to be able to stay here. And so he is he is singing. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't say it's me, Father right. Roberto. <laughs> okay, so those are my two answers. What are your, what's your answer? That, those are both incredible answers. Thank you so much for that. Mm-hmm. I was similarly in the Mary the Night category. Mm-hmm. Where I landed, however, was bad romance in like vibes mm-hmm. for this partnership mm-hmm. between Denethor and Pippin. Mm. And Gandalf. <laughs> <laughs> and Gandalf. And a little bit of poker face. As well for Gandalf's instruction Mm. to Pippin Mm -hmm. about all that he knows, even though we know that Gandalf really doesn't believe that Pippin knows all that much. He seems to imply that he does know more than Denethor and to be mindful about what he shares. Well, this brings me to page 11. Thank you for bringing this up. Mm -hmm. So on this page, Gandalf explains... That Aragorn is going to become king. And Pippin is amazed. How on earth did he miss this information? What an incredible... I know. I read that and thought I had missed something. Yes. About where Pippin was in respect to everyone else in the Fellowship knowing this information. And like with the sword and the... I I don't know. The answer is, Ellen, I do not know (laughs) Pippin has missed this. I underlined every word in there and then wrote in all caps in the margins, how did he miss this? Yes. (laughs) I'm like, Pippin, where have you been? 
Right, like, this is, like, one of the basic tenets of what we do know yes. about Aragorn. <laughs> Why do you think Boromir and him were kind of grouchy? Why do you think he wanted to go to Minas Tirith? Why did people call him Lord? I mean, there's just... <laughs> right. There's a lot there to gloss over. Which leads me to believe one of two things. Mm-hmm. And perhaps my favorite imagining is that... Pippin and Mary are just in, like, the back of the Fellowship on this entire journey Mm -hmm. and literally just in their own worlds would love to see if this were written in modern times, like, a duology Mm -hmm. (laughs) to this of just Mary and Pippin and whatever nonsense conversations they're happening as they trek leagues Mm -hmm. (laughs) across Middle-earth. They're just having a chat in the back. Totally missed it. Totally, totally missed, missed everything. <laughs> but it did bring me back to, and I know I've mentioned this before on the pod, like the timeline of where and how these things get shared. I started mm-hmm. to question, was this something that was specifically addressed in a right. space that Pippin and Mary weren't present? Like, was that in the hall when everybody was singing and it was really only Sam and Frodo as the only two hobbits that were there that they were hanging out with Bilbo? And so or Perry- in the council? Right. Right. But surely, like, Sam would have said, and by the way, did you know that Aragorn is, like, the rumored king? That's why Boromir is here, the sword that has been broken. Right. Right. <laughs> and Again, back to people are calling him Lord. You don't find that curious? Mm-hmm. Nope. Like, it's just an honorific. Yeah. <laughs> it's a nickname that we've dubbed him of the Fellowship. This we just call Lord, him Lord Lordy Strider. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, that's... I I was similarly befuddled. Yeah, that really shook me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm glad we got to talk about it. I had it later in the notes, but I, I really wanted to bring that up. <laughs> I think that's a good point. I also, just as a total anecdote, while our books have been identical page numbers up until this point, it would seem that they are no longer. Oh. <laughs> and so this is going to prove interesting (laughs) whether we can find the same quotes at the same time or not yeah let's let's see how that works um mine starts on page three Ooh, mine starts on page 19 because my 1965 1955 i should say copyright book has a synopsis Mm. in the beginning of presumably the first two books it's three pages the mm-hmm. synopsis and then one two three four five maps okay and those are all numbered pages so we'll need to add 16 because mine has a synopsis too but it is in roman numerals got it so we'll need to add 16 i guess to all of my pages i would say maybe maybe 17 because i also have the poem. Mm-hmm. Three, three Rings for the Elven Kings, that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That old ditty. <laughs> yeah, you know it. Mm-hmm. You know it. Sing it out. <laughs> <laughs> the group in the back. Three Rings for the Elven Kings. <laughs> <laughs> like the, um, like when they do the, the drinking songs on Whose Line Is It Anyway? <laughs> yes. Yes. Exactly <laughs> like that. Okay. So that's a fun fun anecdote for maybe mm-hmm. just you and I. <laughs> Great. Okay, so with all of that groundwork, imperative groundwork laid. Yes. 
Very important. Yes. Ellen, what story did you bring for us today to discuss accountability? Well, in thinking about this week's episode, I spent a lot of time trying to differentiate between being accountable for and being accountable to. So there are things for which you are accountable. I would list your actions, apologizing for when you do something wrong, making amends, all under that accountable for category. And I think of that as different than who you are accountable to. And since this is a community building podcast, I want to focus on the accountable to category. So there are lots of people in my life whom I consider myself to be accountable to. I would include family, close friends, clients, coworkers, all in that category to various degrees. But one particular project slash person I feel accountable to is you in doing this podcast. So each week when I'm doing the reading, taking notes, editing, and, you know, just generally doing podcasty things, I am thinking about meeting our agreed upon deadline and making sure that I'm ready for each recording session. I think there's an additional level of accountability when you add another person to a project. For example, if I was doing this podcast by myself, I don't think I would be as diligent about releasing episodes. It might not be weekly. It might be like every three and a half weeks when she feels like it. (laughs) So even though the stakes with us are pretty low, I mean, I know I would never be penalized for missing a recording session or anything like that. I still feel a sense of accountability to you and to the podcast. So with the lack of consequences, this made me wonder why. Why do you feel accountable to others? And I think it might have something to do with accountability being a pro-social behavior that humanity in general would favor, you know, genetically. But I'm not sure. So I wanted to, to bring the question to you and ask why do you think we feel accountable to other people? even in the lack of adverse consequences? Hmm. That's an interesting question, and I'm sure, I'm sure folks smarter than I and folks who have uh, dedicated more time than I will have thoughts about this off, off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. I feel like some of it has to do with your relationship to the other person, right? Mm-hmm. And to the degree that you value the relationship and that there is maybe reciprocity in that relationship, You also feel an accountability and an accountability that in our situation promotes like self-governing almost, where there's a very different accountability when you have perhaps a power imbalance and then a requirement, right, to do something. You are perhaps no less accountable to that person for your actions, but I would qualify that as feeling very, very different Mm -hmm. if you haven't elected it for yourself. So because we've elected this for ourselves, because we have a reciprocal and relatively trusting relationship, and because we have a sort of publicly stated (laughs) agreement to folks who listen to us as well, right, we have maybe quite a few factors that make this an accountable relationship and to 
your point that we are both accountable for what we've agreed to and we are accountable to one another Mm -hmm. the only adverse uh impact i can think of when that maybe social contract isn't like fulfilled Mm -hmm. is that a person that you like love and care for right and understand intimately that they have like other things going on in their world would be perhaps negatively affected right like if i show up and i'm underprepared that means that like that's another time that we have to find to schedule that means that maybe your editing time is less it means that i've sort of broken that social code and if that happens enough times i think then the willingness for you to elect to be accountable to me it might be lessened mm, mm-hmm. yeah so like we're sort of ending on the same spot there of that it's a pro-social it's better for everybody if we can get get together and be accountable to each other mm-hmm. and and have positive working relationships instead of walking around with zero accountability to anybody or for your actions well and it's interesting that you bring this up because i think that's also Something I saw recently, and it's called the shopping cart theory. And it's basically like if someone elects to put their shopping cart away, Mm -hmm. a situation in which there is really no adverse outcome for having not done that. If you elect to do that anyway and take that time, then you are perhaps more predisposed to like govern yourself and to be responsible mm. and accountable to things without requiring someone else to monitor your actions. I don't know how true that is at something that I saw recently, um, but it kind of feels a little bit like the conversation mm-hmm. we're having. I, I buy into that. If you can do the good thing when nobody's looking, it means you're more accountable to yourself mm-hmm. and to your, your, your own morals ethics etc and if you need someone looking over your shoulder and saying you better do this or else Mm -hmm. yeah i think you can't have a very functioning community without a level of accountability between all of its members towards some some agreed upon social or moral code Mm -hmm. Well, with all of that said, you did agree, and I am now holding you accountable, <laughs> to walk us through what happened in the chapter, which I'm eager eager to do because a lot happened, and I want to continue this conversation and talking about the theme in relation to what happened in the chapter. So will you walk us through uh, this chapter's events? I absolutely will. And as you've noted, there are a lot of them. So mm-hmm. we're going we're gonna to do our best to pull out the pieces that feel important. So, previously on The Lord of the Rings, our goofiest protagonist Pippin was hastening across Middle-earth with Gandalf on the back of Shadowfax. And that's where we come to with our story. So we've been traveling for three days since Pippin last looked into the Palantir. And as they near Gondor, they can see a couple of things. One, that the beacons are lit, meaning Gondor is calling for aid, and that they are headed to Minas Tirith. So they kind of have a little bit of a hassle getting into Minas Tirith. Um, We get a little bit of a description of the walled city, 
And then Gandalf really warns Pippin about encountering folks and sharing what he's experienced thus far um, with just anybody in particular with our new character, Denethor, who, in a word, is a bummer. Boo. (laughs) Totally. So Gandalf and Pippin converse with Denethor. Denethor is just an absolute peach. (laughs) And ultimately, Pippin offers his service to old Denny uh, as gratitude for Boromir saving Pippin um, way back when. So Gandalf then is like really irritated at Denden's priorities um, to really focus on Boromir's death and not on everything else that's going on. Denethor is really pro-Gondor, Gondor before everything else. And after there's a little bit of a standoff between Gandalf and Denethor, ultimately Gandalf and Pippin retire to their room. Gandalf is then a bit more forthright with Pippin um, about the interaction with the steward. And we learn that Denethor can read minds and maybe see the future, which is like a casual thing to drop after someone has had a conversation with that person. So that's a bit of a bombshell. Gandalf runs some errands with some last kind of like ominous but yet vague warnings to Pippin. And then um, Pippin hooks up with his, like, mentor, Baragond, to inquire uh, mostly about mealtimes. But uh, he also checks in on Shadowfax. And then um, Baragond and Pippin picnic. They chat uh, about their travels, their hopes, their dreams. Um, And then darkness falls and it really kills the mood. So then Pippin just kind of tags along with Baragond on the rest of his day. And then once Baragon has to go off to work, then Pippin hangs out with Baragon's son, Burgil. Burgil? It's hard to know. And then the we learn that the Minas Tirithians, perhaps, um, they're a little shady. There's a little bit of a little bit of a jokester in Burgil. And um, so we get that experience, which is delightful. We know that men are coming from all over Middle-earth to um, aid Gondor. Ultimately, after his exchange with Burgle, Pippin meets up with Baragond at the end of the day um, and learns that he's been summoned by Denethor. Gandalf finally returns to their room, waking Pippin so that he can take Pippin to Denethor tomorrow. And... We learn on a super fun note to end the chapter on that there will be, in fact, no dawn because it is night all the time. Darkness has arrived. It's just one big Bummerville experience after another. Like, zero five people would recommend. The, uh, the audiobook agrees with you. Burgle has a hard G. Okay, perfect. Well, I assume because Baragond felt like it had to. Yeah, it can't be Baragond. That would be embarrassing for everyone. So I'm glad that that's confirmed. Mm-hmm. Wow, so much happens. Um, the audio version of this was an hour and a half. So that's how I knew. That's how I knew we were going to have a, lo- a long chapter. For sure. So thank you for pulling out all those points and making sure we don't miss anything key. Uh, in such a lengthy chapter. 
You are so welcome, but that means we should really get into the examples of the theme, where you yes. saw, what you saw. So let's let's dig in. Come on, let's go. We're digging in. Chapter one, book five, page five. Right. Is where we are beginning this. My page five. Who knows who knows what it is for, for you? My page, maybe nineteen. <laughs> maybe nineteen. Impossible to know. This is when Gandalf and Pippin are arriving to the gates to pass into the the land of wherever we are. Anorian? Yeah. I think. Yes. In the realm of Gondor, the wizard answered, the land of Anorian is still passing by. Sure. Partly ruinous, it seemed, but already before the night was passed. So they're coming up to a gate anyway. There's people at the gate. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the the leader says, yeah, I know you, Gandalf, but who's this guy? And Gandalf says, quote, I will vouch for him before the seat of Denethor. And this is Gandalf agreeing to be accountable for Pippin. I don't think he says it explicitly, but the fact that he's vouching for him, to me, makes it feel like, okay, this is a private club. I'm a member, and I'm going to vouch for this new person who's not a member, but don't worry, guys, he's cool. Mm-hmm. A very valiant man, he says to Ingold. Yes, I cannot be computed by stature. He's passed through more battles and perils than you have, Ingold. So Ingold gets a little dressing down. So that that's my first example. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Totally. Then, as we know, they go in to meet Denethor, my least favorite character. Of all time. I mean, he's just the worst. <laughs> God, he's just so annoying. And Pippin really feels in debt to Boromir, which then I think uh, is transferred to Boromir's father, Denethor. So the exact quote is, quote, Little service, no doubt, will so great a lord of men think to find in a hobbit, a halfling from the northern shire, yet such as it is, I will offer it in payment of my debt. So this is an accountability that he didn't choose this is a a debt that is put on him by the fact that boromir tries to save both pippin and mary and spends his life in in the the attempt and so pippin feels that very very keenly i do think i consider being in debt to be a form of accountability albeit one maybe with more structure than you know what we have where we've chosen to be accountable to each other by choice and not by payment. Mm-hmm. Right, right. That power imbalance. I think we were talking about a bit earlier. Like mm-hmm. accountability might be something that you can arrive at with either a conscious attempt to negate a power imbalance or when you come as equals, but it probably feels more like a debt when it's someone who has a, is in a power down stance to someone else. Right. So Pippin does have less power in this particular instance than Denethor. And he's still choosing to to acknowledge and to offer himself up in, in payment of his perceived debt. Pippin, I think, has a real growth moment here in stepping into his accountability. Yeah, absolutely. My next example is on page 20. And you mentioned in your recap that Pippin is very interested in the service times of meals. And then... <laughs> 
Uh, in the, towards the end of page 20, he says, quote, One moment, said Pippin, blushing. Greed or hunger, by your courtesy, put it out of my mind. But Gandalf, Mithrandir, as you call him, asks me to see to his horse, Shadowfax. And so he agreed. Uh, I don't know that he actually does it verbally, but Gandalf asks it of him. To, for Pippin to go look in on Shadowfax. And he is holding himself to this request for pet sitting and agrees to go take a look at Shadowfax and see how he's doing, where he's housed. Is he happy? Is he noble? Yes to all the above. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Check and check. Yes. Okay, my next example is on page 30. And this is when we get to Burgle, who, as we remember, is the young son of Baragond. The quote that I'd like us to take a look at is at the top of page 30. Quote, Do not tell me that he has changed his mind and will send me away with the maidens. Which is from Burgle, who is just absolutely horrified that he might be asked to, to leave Minas Tirith. But he does ask if his father is asking this of him and i think if pippin said yeah your dad really wants you to leave i do think burgle would do it because it seems that he understands he is accountable to baragond and that baragond is accountable for burgle's actions and actually i would not fault him as a father if he said no it does make sense for my nine-year-old son or whatever this is to not be here during an active battle Right. No, I think I think nine is right. I think he's he's not in yet double digits. So this cool fourth grader, um, I think, could use a little bit of distance from the the active battle scene that will be Minas Tirith. Right. But you know, Baragon's doing what he thinks is best. He's like maybe just got to the times tables at, right. in school and now is also in war. It feels Still like a hasn't lot lost all of his baby teeth, but will happily run errands during the battle. That's right. That's right. Well, that's that's Burgle. Uh, my last example is on the opposite page. And this is when Burgle and Pippin have made amends for their fake fight that they almost get into. And they have gone to outside of the gate of Minas Tirith to take a look at everybody who's showing up. The quote is, quote, And so the companies came and were hailed and cheered and passed through the gate, men of the outlands marching to defend the city of Gondor in a dark hour, but always too few, always less than hope looked for or need asked. And this is, I think, another example of a power imbalance. To me, it seems like the men of the Outlands are in some manner accountable to the Lord Denethor and the city of Minas Tirith Mm -hmm. and that they will show up when asked to help defend that stronghold. Right, because without knowing exactly what the call for aid looks like other than these big flames on top of mountain (laughs) peaks, basically, um, we could assume that there is a sort of diplomatic way to say, nah, we're good. Mm -hmm. I think that has some ramifications later on down the line that someone would be held accountable to that decision. But it does seem like this is a bit more of an election from from these other groups to come Mm -hmm. to Gondor's aid. 
And also, if they didn't, this seems to be sort of the first halt that the, the enemy would reach before continuing on to their lands. Right. And so I do think that there is a there is a self-benefit to them showing up. I mean, like, yeah, let's pool our strength. Because if they make it through Minas Tirith, you know, us and our non-walled city will have zero chance of stopping them. Right. It's like that old poem of, you know, if I don't show up for all of these other groups, then who will show up for me when ultimately the battle is placed at my doorstep? Right. Yeah. Totally. So they're they're showing up and they're they're showing some accountability, I think, in coming to, to the aid of the city. Yeah, definitely. So those are my examples. Uh, did you have anything that you would like to add example-wise? No, but I do want to share that is a page difference of 18, and I finally figured it out to get to your same Perfect. quotes and examples. Perfect. That will be fun for us to do for the rest of our two seasons. Mm-hmm. Love some good <laughs> math on the fly. Mm-hmm. Great, so that's everything that happened in the chapter, both theme-wise and plot-wise. Mm-hmm. Are you ready to transition to talking with Tolkien? I am always ready for this section. <laughs> Great. How about you go first and walk us through your notable quotes? Okay, fabulous. On my page 33... <laughs> I'm never going to find it. <laughs> <laughs> which I believe would be your page 15. Mm-hmm. We have a a nice little quote here from Gandalf. And uh, let's see here. Quote, But all worthy things that are in peril as the world now stands, those are my care. And for my part, I shall not wholly fail of my task, though Gondor should perish. If anything passes through this night that can still grow fair or bear fruit and flower again in days to come. And I just, I thought this was sort of a lovely, in short, way of speaking to Gandalf's maybe accountability to the greater Mm -hmm. Middle-earth, but certainly to Gondor, that he feels vested in and accountable to Gondor's success in the face of things that are quite terrible. But I particularly liked that first bit about, but all worthy things that are in peril as the world now stands, those are my care. Like, don't try Mm -hmm. and narrow my scope. I care about it all. (laughs) i'm not here for just you or just this city Mm -hmm. i want it all yeah he's got that big picture Mm -hmm. so that was a particularly lovely quote uh my other two examples sillier so on my page 38 which is your page 20 i think baragond and pippin are chatting about the meal times and mm-hmm. they're talking about how, like, yep, we're going to go see the Shadow Facts situation, make sure that's all legit, but we'll also get you fed first. And Baragon says, quote, we will go thence to the butteries, which the is butteries. the greatest <laughs> sentence ever uttered by a fictional character. Um, and I could only hear it as, like, a pseudo battle cry yes me too (laughs) i want a shirt that says to the batteries right totally totally Mm -hmm. it's so good i was just talking to my partner about how like you know what when they ask you to envision what your perfect day is 
And my perfect day is mostly just me having really good meals. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So this really strikes a chord with me. And I think he also says nuncheon in there. Yes, the noon, like, noon luncheon, nuncheon. Yeah, it says nuncheon, which was silly, and I liked it. And then the last, the last is on my page, 45, and Baragond is basically inviting Pippin on a day. It's it's take your Pippin to work day, basically. Mm-hmm. I know. It's so silly. He and, just follows him around. And he just follows him around. <sighs> Sweet baby, baby Pippin. And Baragond says, quote, you may join my mess for this day. And I just really, <laughs> that really resonated with me. <laughs> oh my god, that's so funny. I was thinking like mess hall, but I like it way better as jump in this like the bless this mess signs at Hobby yes, Lobby. <laughs> totally. Yes, exactly. That same energy, like, yeah, you can come take a gander what's falling apart today. <laughs> come along, Pippin, after we come go to the butteries. Mess. Whatever. <laughs> We're going to the butteries, have a little nuncheon. <laughs> right, right. It's um, it's it was a pure delight to have Baragon and Pippin interact. I loved every moment of their conversations, in part because we get these delightfully strange yes. phrases. An old campaigner, I see. <laughs> <laughs> right. So those are my quotes. What did you have? All of my quotes are on page my page eighteen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. From Gandalf, quote: "I did not hinder it." For generous deed should not be checked by cold counsel. Ooh. Which is, I think, a kind reminder. And then the uh, this other one, I actually made my phone background for the last week because I just had the most <laughs> hectic week at work. And like the Sunday night before I was in bed reading this and this sentence stood out to me so dramatically. Mm-hmm. Well, no need to brood on what tomorrow may bring. For one thing, tomorrow will be certain to bring worse than today for many (laughs) days to come. And there is nothing more that I can do to help it. Oh, Mithrandir, you old optimist. (laughs) Oh, gosh, I thought that was so funny. So I I loved that that bit. For one thing, so it good. will be certainly worse than tomorrow for many days to come. <laughs> right, right. Oh, so funny. Well, and I mean, Gandalf just on a tear of really, really quite ominous quotes. I yes. just want to call our attention to the last two sentences yep. of this chapter again, because they're so... Grim is just, quote, the darkness has begun. There will be no dawn. Like, Gandalf, I get it. Like, we got to frame our expectations in reality. But, yo, this is so... <laughs> I know. Egregiously dark. Like, for why? I call him Gandalf Stormcrow. I mean, he is, he is not coming in with, like, rainbows and sunshine at any point in this chapter. No, and it's it's evident that like he his mind again is at that thirty thousand foot level. Like he can see all these different pieces moving all over the place, but like yeah, he's the CEO of Middle Earth. He's also not doing a great job of recognizing that like these are just wee frail people and halflings that like mm-hmm. maybe need to cling to something 
mm-hmm. other than just the darkness, good sir. Now what does Pippin say? Like, my hand feels so light. <laughs> Baragon just like, we must strike with a heavy fist thence. And he's like, my hand feels kind of light. <laughs> I feel small. I feel small. With an O. Mm-hmm. Yeah, small. I do think, I mean, for for Pippin being as silly as he is and being kind of the um, the foil, perhaps, to a lot of the situations thus far, I think he makes a pretty good proxy for the reader in this chapter as yeah, far as, totally. like, how you would feel facing what you're about to face. You've now sort of made this commitment that maybe we haven't thought through all the way and has some unintended implications and you're in an entirely new space trying to to learn even the the inner workings much more to say then you're going to have to apply those in some sort of ill-fated battle according to yield stormcrow over here i think that's why the whole series works is because we have these very humanizing narrators hobbits heroes etc if we didn't have them and everyone was like an aragorn and a gandalf and a faramir it wouldn't feel relatable but because Mm -hmm. we have these like kind of derpy you know little hobbits coming through and they just want to eat and take baths it's like yeah i I get it (laughs) yeah i mean same (laughs) so some good conversation about our our notable quotes and Mm -hmm. about our theme which i believe brings us to your action item it's true is it buttery related? It is not buttery related. Although, mm, okay. if you want to do some extra credit, I do support pastries uh, mm-hmm. that are flaky with lots of butter. So go eat. No, my action item is is thus. So in this book, we see a lot of ceremony and pageantry around different moments of importance. And I am very pro-ceremony. I love the pageantry. And I think it's a shame that in our real world, we only get ceremony or vows, as we see in this chapter, mostly at weddings, which I just don't think is with enough frequency. So today's action item is going to switch that up a bit. While Pippin's oath of fealty to the Lord Denethor is very dramatic... I am asking us all this week to write down a sentence or two of intention to someone who you want to be accountable to. I went ahead and did mine already as an example. Here it is. Anna, I will finish my share of podcast duties by the agreed upon deadline and will communicate in advance any difficulties where external forces prevent me from doing so. So, That's the action item. Write down something simple. It doesn't, again, have to be a dramatic vow like Pippin's to a person who you'd like to be accountable to and then share it with them. I love this idea. And I also think that if the relationship is such where some pageantry would make it interesting, you know, bake it into a cake. Capes, 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 capes. (laughs) Wear a sweet cloak. When delivering mm-hmm. this, it makes uh, it makes your day a bit more playful. And honestly, 
probably you're more likely to deliver on the commitment then, right? If it doesn't feel like a chore, if it feels like you're you're doing it because it has um, meaning to you and because it was a little bit fun, mm-hmm. I'm all about that. Yeah, we love we love that. Let's make it fun. Let's make it fun. Very pro cloak, very pro snacks on this podcast. <laughs> when we get together um, in a few weeks, we can um, ha- do a ceremonial, I don't know, ceremony. <laughs> that sounds incredible. Um, I believe your weekend is filling up uh, quickly. So I think we'll have to maybe schedule some time so we can be accountable yeah. to that. Yeah, we'll fit it in. Yeah. I'll bring my um, my travel scepter so it doesn't get uh, confiscated by TSA. <laughs> Yeah, that would be a real a real buzzkill for the old ceremony if your scepter mm-hmm. was taken by TSA. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Great. Can't wait to can't wait to write down my intentions for this week. Yay. Today's podcast was brought to you by the Butteries. We will go thence. Our music is by Robert Zahn and Simon Dom. If you have thoughts on today's episode or homework assignment, send us a voicemail or email at infellowshippodcast at gmail.com. You can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Remember to take care of your community, stay hydrated, and thank you for joining us today in Fellowship. My hypothesis is Mm -hmm. that because he's like lord of the horses mm-hmm. the other horses would not be allowed to pass him it's like when you go shooting with the king you have to stay behind him and he mm-hmm. walks through first mm. yes i am rewatching the crown right now <laughs> <laughs>